Hello and welcome to the Wizards of Dribble podcast. They finished 2-2 at the Bet365 between Stoke and Derby. Either a disappointing result or a strong performance and a good point, depending entirely on your outlook. Are green shoots growing or is time ticking for Nathan Jones? Well, the performance data itself looks decent and you can argue if Joe Allen et al. didn't have a fetish about hitting the woodwork, we'd be top of the league by now. You're stuck with me again, Chris, as your host, as Dave is in Dublin, and it's a change of guests as well. Well, half of the guests anyway, as we've allowed Ben time off to get himself some dinner this week. (laughs) Returning from last week is Tony Lloyd, but making a return, it's Mr. Expected Kilns himself, Tom Thrower. How are we, my friends? I'm alright, thanks, Chris. I'm I'm also alright, I think that's where I'd go. I'm I'm six and a half out of ten. Six and a half out of ten. And well done. You did that just as we rehearsed, not talking (laughs) over each other. So well done. (laughs) Oh my goodness me. Uh, As I say, let's get get into this, shall we? Stoke City 2, Derby County 2. Tom, are are you happy with this point? Or are you disappointed that we didn't win this damn thing? Where do you sit? I've banned myself from caring about results until September. That's that's my new thing. Um, so I'm only going to talk about the performance. I don't care what the result was. It the result results don't matter. It was a great performance. Um, I haven't been that excited by a Stoke City game of football for three and a half years. So Ooh. yeah, I like it. I'm very just chilled out about us at the minute. You sound practically horizontal. You're so chilled out, Tony. You presumably you were there yesterday. Is this correct? I was, yes. And so, how how was the feel? How was the feeling of the atmosphere? I guess because a lot was made in the week of uh, Nathan Jones saying, "Please, you know, don't boo us. That really doesn't help us." And and I personally felt that oh, we we had a nice atmosphere and that kind of the the result wasn't reflective of how well everything came together did you get the same picture in your I, head i did i also felt that i've been inadvertently following the tom thrower philosophy of not caring about result because i keep forgetting we didn't win I'm so <laughs> buoyed am i by the performance in general i think I'm, i guess in answer to your question properly i am disappointed we couldn't win but how many times in the last two or three years against decent-ish opposition would we definitely have found a way to lose that in the last few minutes? And I think we showed a resilience and togetherness that we haven't seen in what feels like a very long time, including the crowd. Um, and yeah, I think we we just we we even put together some spells of actual football. It was ace. <laughs> it, yeah, no, I'm. It, it, it's really good. It, it, yes, and I think it shouldn't go without saying that to go one nil down really quickly into the game, and to then I would say for the next fifteen twenty minutes after that, we seemed really really rattled. We we weren't performing well, and there was a there was a fear that oh we're going to turn on this team here, and then I don't know what it was that changed, but we suddenly. I mean, we got a goal. Maybe that was what changed it. But things got better, would we say? And and, and certainly, I felt for the majority of the game, Stoke were the better better team. I felt that Derby didn't have any real chances of note, um, apart from ones of our own making. And I do 
I mean, we'll go on to talk about the penalty and whether it was a real penalty or not, but I did feel a mad 10-minute spell in the middle of the match kind of cost us three points, um, apart from the various hitting of the woodworkers <coughs> we will mention. Um, what, do you know what? Let's, we'll, we'll go on to this. Um, how about you guys give me three positive points from the game yesterday then while we're in a positive mood and before we bring everyone down uh, we'll start with uh, you again Tom three what were three positive takeaways from yesterday for you uh, Ryan Woods James McLean and Lee Gregory I think all of those three really looked like they just got it they just seem to know <laughs> what their roles are and executed them perfectly I'm chuffed that McLean um, pulled it out of the bag because, you know, I did kind of say that you might be able to play left back in the diamond formation in, like, late May. So, told you so. Um, but but one <laughs> one swallow a summer doth not make. I, yeah, if he carries on the way he played in that game, he really had that, like, feistiness that I think our fullbacks have lacked at times. At times they've dropped too much into a back four, but he was really playing, like, a wide defensive midfielder, if that makes any sense. I don't think it does. Um, Ryan Woodzinho, as he is now officially titled, is just, I am so happy in my soul to see him back to playing football, how he should play football, because there was a bit, there was a bit there over winter where I was worried that that was it, that his football career wasn't going to reach the place I thought it was going to reach with Stoke City, and he's just amazing. Um, And Lee Gregory, Lee Gregory with a face chiselled from stone, wow. Um, yeah, it, it was it was like a John Walters performance, but 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 nicer. Like it wasn't because I think towards <laughs> the end Walters had got really really gritty. Whereas I feel like Gregory was a bit like flamboyant yet tough. Yeah, yeah. Oh, just just those three. I loved them. They were great. <laughs> okay, so so three players that were positives for you, Tony. How about yourself? How what did what were three positive takeaways? I'm going to pretend I didn't hear any of that and just say exactly the same thing. Okay. <laughs> um, no, actually, the, the first the first good I've got on my list was the crowd, which we have pretty much covered. Um, but I just felt like that was really... That felt different to me to the QPR game, which is obviously a positive. Um, I had Woods, the Ryanacence, as I'm trying to coin nice. it. Um, nice. I mean, he wasn't perfect. It was a couple of times he gave a ball away in slightly scary areas that led to counterattacks. But I think if it had been Joe Allen had done that, I would have probably been more harsh. Um, but I just the way he keeps possession ticking over and runs around in those little circles, but effectively, I just love him. And it, I think we all said in the last few months that we really rated him and the way he disappeared from the side last season was a bit weird and certainly disappointing. So I think it's just really good news. Um, and Greggy, uh, actual effective hold-up play. When did we last see that? And it might be my eyes deceiving me, but it almost looked like there might have been a partnership forming between two strikers. But, oh, facts. Facts that I'm stealing from the clique group chat. They play together in non-league football. Hogan and Gregory which I was like oh my god it all makes sense it was like it was like galaxy brain and the universe was falling into place and I'd seen like the face of God and laughed in it it's wow. just weird I think it was at Halifax town that they were together wow. was yeah. that was that when Jamie Vardy was playing with them as well <laughs> was it those three because do we need to get him in 
it, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> no, it's fine. Gosh. <laughs> um, I mean, at Delapitor on Twitter has said, how about when discussing the second goal, some of the credit goes to Jack for the great pl- ball he played that Gregory ran onto. Might only be a small thing, but the second goal started there, in my opinion. Nobody really talking about that, but it was a great ball to Gregory. I thought... In, in the whole, that, that whole setup for the second goal was absolutely lovely. The partnership between the front two, yes, and as well, Jack Butland's first first um, first time ball. Three, what was it? Three passes? No, it, it wasn't. It was it was more than that. Um, and I'll I'll put the photo up because Statzone do really nice little goal like the build up. So the bit that I think everyone's missed was we tried to advance the ball up the pitch. Derby pressed it, we passed it back to Butland, who then smacked it into the hole that they'd left. He did the old Jordan Twatitford and just smacked it as hard as he could. <laughs> and Gregory got on the end of it in a beautiful cross. And how nice is it to see a striker coming up to a ball that he should score, knowing that he's going to score it? I mean, I don't think I've seen a Stoke striker do that since, like, James beating. So, yeah. I mean, I think that that's very, very positive of you to say that you you knew he was going to score because all the build-up to the rest of the game, I wasn't convinced <laughs> that, that we weren't going to blare it over or once again hit the post with it. But it was a lovely, lovely goal and lovely finish. Um, I believe Hogan has been given the first goal as well, even though there is some confusion with that. I thought it was... Um, Lindsay, I have no idea what's happened there, but uh, they're saying that it's it's Hogan. So to a brace for him, apparently, oh, that's not that's not bad for a a new striker, is it? He's good. I mean, yeah, no, but, but Lindsay's header did it looked like he was about six inches away, and he headed it onto Hogan's shoulder. I think so. It did sort of come off Hogan, but I think it would have gone in anyway. I was certainly shouting Lindsay's name when it went in because I think I think he had a really good game as well actually and not just because he's Scottish I really liked him um, I think he did lots of good things very yeah, good another another told you so on that one that Lindsay's <laughs> actually quite a good defender and passes really well so it's a good day to be me <laughs> hello Chris here again you wouldn't know it because of the seamless blending of audio that I've been able to do in post-production, but at this point, we had a bit of an error where my computer went on the dreaded blue screen of Doom. So I figured I'd take this opportunity to talk to you about Beer 52. Now, the Wizards of Drivel podcast are partnering with Beer 52 for another season. Beer 52 are the world's biggest craft beer discovery club, bringing you great brews from all over the globe. As a Wizards listener, you get your first case of eight beers free by going to beer52.com forward slash wizards. You can pause or cancel your subscription at any time, so try a free case. Just pay the postage and see what you think. That's beer52.com forward slash wizards. Now, back to the seamless audio. Very good points there by both of you. (laughs) (laughs) no one can tell Um, well done anyway um that's three positives then what let's go on to the negatives as we are known for um uh, we'll start with you tony what 
what needs improving then three things that that you looked at and were disappointed in um the first one i've got on my list of bad things is mclean oh not really that's that's sort of a trick he's on my good list really i just wanted to mention that particular one tackle slash recovery he made in the second half which was just really good like you said tom that he could be a left back um no the first badness that i made a note of was i just sitting there i was a bit concerned a couple of times how easily they seemed to bypass our midfield and defense with one pass um but i think it's probably worth acknowledging that derby are half decent and they did look like they had a bit of scary pace in attack um there was a couple of times where one really simple pass that even i could see uh just seemed to take four or five of our players out of the game um but saying that, ignoring the first goal and that one-on-one at the end, which Jack Butland saved, um, we pretty much found our way out of it, even when that happened. So that was good. So that's another one that's actually a good. Um, our first goal, I wasn't completely sure it had gone in. So my celebration, and I definitely wasn't the only one around where I sit, was quite muted, which sort of leads me on to my next point. Um I'm well trained enough at watching football that if I'm not sure, I look to the referee to see if he's awarding the goal. And I'm still not convinced now that he gave it. Like, he <laughs> certainly wasn't making a clear signal, the dickhead. <laughs> and I eventually just decided, based on all the derby players stopping and all ours were definitely celebrating, that it must have gone in. And then I had a bit of a cheer, but that sort of spoiled it for me. But yeah, the ref was fully shit, I thought, anyway. Um, and I'm generally conscious of trying to be extra fair to refs because they can only give what they see and all that. But he was a real shitbox. And when that fight was going on, and he was literally stood 10 yards away from his fight, not even looking at it to see what was going on in there, just chatting to the lino and letting the players just sort it out amongst themselves, I genuinely could not believe what I was seeing. Toss piece. And also, I don't think the penalty was really a penalty. And again, I really like Lindsay. <laughs> Was that three? And sounded I, like it. I lost. Yeah, I lost count. Tom, what about yourself? Are you in agreement? Yes, pretty much. My first negative was that the, you know the the hard thing that surrounds the goal. That bit, the, the hard <laughs> piece of the goal. We're not good at bit. that bit. The square, yeah, mm-hmm. the the rectangular no bottom bit. Just you know, like just goal in ball, please. I'm so tired. Six. We've hit the post six times in three games. That's not fun. Just stop. Um, my other thing is that bit of the pitch where the fight was was exactly the same place as there was a fight last year when Joe Allen got bit by Bradley Johnson. So that bit of the pitch <laughs> is clearly cursed against Derby. So we need to, I don't know, get a priest in, get an exorcism, and that'll be over and done with. And then my, my last negative is... Um, yeah, it's him. It's it's that central midfielder who isn't Peter Atebo, who should be Peter Atebo. Um Joe Allen mm-hmm. just was. <sighs> we've had we've had a lot of questions. To be fair, on uh, on that on that subject, um, Robin Tunstall had said, "Is uh, it's good that everyone is good, bar Joe Allen? Surely Atebo <laughs> is a sure starter soon." Um, depending on a rumoured clause in Joe Allen's contract. Now, I don't know if that's real or if we, if people have just made that up and now that it's it's fact. Um, it's just comfort. It's comforting, though, isn't it? It's like, 
There's got to be some non-logical reason why he <laughs> remains on the pitch for every it, single minute of football. It certainly felt yesterday, not that it was a turning point, but it was a lot of people... We Like this podcast, we always have batted this drum, and sometimes I do think maybe we are just biased, and we have been accused of said, of said things like that. Um, you know, bloody millennials and their hating of midfielders. But... It felt yesterday that a lot of people were seeing not just the the miss, the the the, the open goal miss, the tap in miss, but there were Joe Allen's position in yesterday. I felt left a little bit to be desired, and it seemed other people felt that way, um, which is very interesting. But I do, yeah, I do wonder. Like, is he is he droppable? There must be something that people. The management seeing him like he's been undroppable for several years now. Like surely, I mean, we like to think that we're correct on everything, yes, but there must be a reason that everyone is playing him. Surely, I'd like to say that it's because like now it's come to such a head because now might be the first time since Joe Allen signed that we actually have like competent competition for him in that position. Like Etebo and Indai provided he wants to play for us are two very good centre midfielders at this level who we probably haven't had to compete with Allen but just if he's still in the the, the, the game come the Leeds match it, it the only reason it can be is because Etterbury isn't fit enough to play 90 minutes and Joe Allen put Stormer in against Preston like he's he just shouldn't be in the team anymore that like <coughs> Tony mentioned as his negatives those passes where just our defence just seemed to suddenly be like five Derby attackers versus it. And every single time it happened, you could spot Joe Allen at the top of the picture had just been bypassed and was like turning around, doing the old Glenn Whelan at the end of his Stoke career. Oh, look, I'm jogging back towards it. No, I am trying. No, oh, no, oh, oh, this score. And that miss, <laughs> I reckon, I reckon if you just... <laughs> plonked someone who'd never watched or played a minute of any sport in their lives in the same position as Joe Allen then, they'd have known what to do and they'd have probably done it. Like, I, I, I just... Yeah. Uh, uh, I can only have noises. I, I, I would have backed Big Chris Iwalumo to score that, even <laughs> if he was wearing a Scotland shirt. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean... He, oh, I'm trying to find like try and say the devil's advocate. I I, I can do this. I I realise I have form for this with my senseless defence of Charlie Adam in the past, <laughs> and I realise this is not probably the audience most likely to be receptive to sympathy for Joe Allen, but I think I reached a tipping point this weekend where I've just started to feel sorry sorry for him. Like he's the first goal when he lunged in. And I immediately thought, oh, God, this is going to cost us. And low football occurred, and we're a goal down after a minute. And then he misses an open goal from literally an inch away. But he's not picking himself. It's like, it's not, he's obviously trying, but he's starting to look like the physical embodiment of just a shrug that's running really <laughs> fast around the pitch. Well, this, this is, this is, this is a thing. I think that we do, we do make Joe Allen out to be really really poor and i don't know whether it's it's fair to uh, to portray him in such a way because he does he does win the ball on occasion and he does 
Like, it's not like everything he does is ludicrous, unlike, and I'm sorry, Tony, Charlie Adam, where <laughs> literally everything, everything was, it was like watching slapstick. He scored that um, goal against Chelsea. He did, he did. <laughs> and, and we, we never did for his service. <laughs> <laughs> but, sorry. <laughs> but then, but then, and and so I've had this discussion with people. Where it's, oh, but he does. He 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 puts a shift in. He he wins the ball back. And and these are things that he does do on occasion. But then I suppose my argument would be yes. That's like the fundamental of his job. He's a Premier League footballer and an international footballer. We should be not just expecting the bare minimum of a midfielder. We should be expecting a, a cut above that because. He is supposed to be one of like the the top players in this league. Um, I think I, d- I don't see him getting dropped. Honestly, I do not see it happening. I don't I either. Think... I, 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 d- I, think... I don't know how Jones can come out in his post match, which is just brilliant. Just that should have yeah. been in my positives. Mm. That was so good, and be mad about people missing chances and not drop the person who keeps missing chances. Because this is my thing with Alan. I've probably been way too critical of him over the past two years in that he's been in a terrible team and he's been one of the only ones at times who's been given his all. But we're now at a stage where that is totally not acceptable if that's the only thing you're producing. If we want to get promoted, it's time to stop being nice. You either play well or you sit on the bench and... If I don't think anyone, even people who like Joe Allen, can point at that game and say he played well because he didn't. I, I'm not sure it is even being nice. I think maybe he like the way I see him now, his face is like he's running around and he's obviously trying, but he's like he's saying, "I didn't ask for this. I want to rest <laughs> as much as you lot want me to have a rest." It's like I might just be reading a lot into him, just having a bit of a nice face, but. <laughs> But I, I do just feel a bit sorry for him now, but I definitely don't want him to start against Preston or Leeds or Leeds. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. Completely fair enough, I think. We're, we're three games in, man. Um, we only have one point to show from it. Although this morning slash last night, um, a friend of mine from work shared with me a graphic from one of the Leeds fan forums from a statistician on there who's uh, put together the average sh- uh, shots conceded and shots um what's the opposite of conceded shot i don't know yeah. uh, shots that were shot um <laughs> from the first three first three games i've i've shared it on twitter um we are one of the top teams in terms of shots shot uh, and we are the best team in the league in terms of shots conceded. It just so happens that those shots conceded have resulted in <laughs> goals. Um, I I saw that and uh, this morning, and I was really, really positive and like, oh my gosh! Like, there is a fundamental there's fundamental data here that is showing that we are what well, everything Nathan Jones has said is true. We we are getting in the right positions we are um the system is coming together it's just that we are costing ourselves with stupid defensive errors um and we're hitting the woodwork and and that's really weird to say that i looked at that data and i felt happy and, and quite positive for the season to come and we're we have one point and we're in the bottom of the table almost no um, we are bottom aren't we oh oh great even better <laughs> that's superb how do we how do you stop? 
because it's all well and good, and I know expected goals is based on this. It's how many the chances you create, but how for a cynical person who looks at that data and says, "Well, that means nothing because we're still the only results that matter are the ones on the scoreboard." Um, how do you how do you rectify this? How do you stop those only opportunities given to teams being the ones that they take? Uh, and, and score against us how do you make it that the chances we create are clinical and so we're not coming away only scoring two goals but I mean yesterday with the chances we had and they were really good chances it definitely felt like oh we could have been like four goals to the good at some point how do we how do we change that Tom as a stats person you you've sure you've looked at that data I'm sure today I, I have um, and I'm kind of in the process of writing something about it the, the short answer is, um, and it's weird, we don't we don't change anything. <laughs> so at the minute, we're conceding the highest expected goals per shot of anyone in the league. But um, in the Premier League last season, the second highest team who did that were famously awful Pep Guardiola's Man City. The whole idea of our football is that we don't drop into a deep block and just stop the opposition we press high up the pitch we keep the ball and that is our defensive like uh, the, the the pillar of our defensive principles is well they shouldn't have the ball and if they do have the ball well we should take it off them really pissing quickly and the downside of that is if you don't do that the opposition tend to have amazing chances and score six goals from nine shots on target uh-huh. which is Currently, oh no, no, seven goals from nine, from ten shots on target. Um, so it's one of those things that will be worse initially. Like that's going to take time for us to bed into and learn the system. And I did think we saw a lot more against Derby than we did against QPR or Charlton. We saw that tactical fouling that I think is the thing that Man City are fundamentally the best team I've ever seen do. I mean, Man City is so good at tactical fouling that I think the rules should change because they use it too well. Like if you ever see them lose the ball and there's someone yeah. there's someone running over the halfway line and you're looking at it and you're thinking, okay, it's a counter, but it doesn't look like one of those counters where you're certain the goal's going to go in. You will just see a centre-back fly into someone or Fernandinho fly into someone and Stoke were trying to do that. So that's the first stop. You've just got to find a way, whatever means, to stop the opposition getting through but not allow that to affect the fundamental goodness and maybe if we scored a goal or two that would maybe help Mm. that tactical fouling ryan woods in the first half when he flew out and just put that kid in the air and it was exactly what you just described and it was wonderful and he just took him out jogged back yep sorry and (laughs) it just sums him up as how awesome he is because he can do that as well as all the other stuff i felt that as a whole they all seem to be really up for tackling yesterday. Even the the Tom Ince tackle that set the whole fight off. It was I was surprised that he went in for a challenge like that. And and don't get me wrong, I was happy because I felt that pressing wise, you could see what we were doing yesterday. You could see us when they got the ball, hurry them, and it was and. and for, for once, it was working. They were misplacing passes in their own third. We seemed to be doing a, a wonderful, wonderful job. And it definitely felt like the the, the, the diamond formation, as Nathan Jones loves, um, w- was working. We had covered 
most of the pitch with it. Um, at Tim Gibbs one says, has the criticism of the diamond formation gone away? Gone away? And then he puts dot 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 for now. I mean, Tony, are you? I'm I'm assuming you were set with it anyway, but rest. Did yesterday's game make you more confident in that as a system? Definitely, yeah. It was. It was. Well, what Tom just said, but without all the backup of data and stats and knowledge, it just felt loads better. Like we seem to be. It felt like a 20, 30 minute period in the first half where we just we just kept the ball, and every time we lost the ball, we just got it back. And had we not already been one goal down, it would have been like, this is the best thing I've ever seen. It was still the best thing I've seen in probably two years. It just felt like we were doing football and we were doing football really well. And as pretty much as Tom said, we don't, we don't change anything because we've, we're clearly so close to it clicking now, it feels like anyway. And when it does click, we are going to be terrifying if we can hold that together. Saying that, if... Anything is guaranteed to change the rule, as you suggest, Tom, so that that tactical fouling is more harshly punished. It will be if Stoke start doing it and somebody notices and then we'll be scuppered. And Pep Guardiola and all the Man City fans will blame us for it as well. But yeah, we just, we just, it just looks so close to being really good. I mean, it looked good. I was, I said before, I keep forgetting we didn't win because it just, I was just really impressed. Yeah, when Jones says that we, we're missing that last 15%, imagine how terrifying that must be to, to be someone else who knows you've got to players and think, wait a minute, they can get 15% better than that. Shit, what do we do to stop them? Because there was a point, um, I think it was at the end of the first half, where half-time came way too early for Stoke because we, to, to use a, a, a bit of a problematically over-aggressive masculine them. Um, metaphor we had our foot on their throats and just half time stopped us from sort of going in for the kill and finishing them off so yeah we're gonna be fine can we fix that by implying that the foot had a stiletto heel on yeah sure it's kind of a different thing at at george lw96 says how do we make sure that the diamond isn't as open as the second half in the first 10 minutes yesterday I know that this is going back on what we said a minute ago, but you, we is it a case of this system has a fundamental flaw in it that at some point we are going to be overexposed and it's almost a, a case of... Do you remember Brendan Rodgers' Liverpool where it was, you score three, we'll score five, as they famously did against us? Um, <laughs> is, is, is that kind of the where this system works we will just attack in numbers and we will win the we will win by overwhelming you and it kind of doesn't matter that those one or two opportunities you get will be quite good opportunities because we'll have will have demoralized you anyway with attrition um or or is there or is there a fundamental like shift we can do to just stop it I, being I, open. sorry i would say uh, tom will have a better answer than me so i'm gonna bow to him but i would say is it a flaw or is it a risk like there is an inbuilt risk that when this happens it's going to be we will be a bit vulnerable and we might have to scrape out but it, the payoff for that is we're brilliant to watch and win yeah, Maybe. it's the same thing with everything, isn't it? It's where a lot of people compare it. Obviously, Stoke fans who we've all sort of had our teeth cut on Tony Pulis football and sitting back, that had the risk of, well, we're only going to have about 10 attacks in a match and if we don't create anything from then, well, bloody hell, we best hope we get a nil-nil. 
it's exactly ten. the same thing. <laughs> yeah, ten towards the end. Um, but I, I think if anything, it's that counter press has got to be better. Um, I think at times, and it was Joe Allen who fell fell victim to it a few times. But I also think Tommy Smith failed to be as aggressive as McLean was on the other side. Um, just just as soon as that gets beaten, that's when the risk starts getting really scary. And provided they're flying in, and I don't even care if they're winning the ball, they need to give a foul away or they need to just stop them somehow. That's just the bit that's just it's just a bit of polishing. It's just that extra fifteen percent, like James says. It's just the tweaking it and rounding it off and making us into this kind of behemoth of championship football where it comes to the end of the season and we don't really want to get promoted because we know what it's like up there and it's scary up there. <laughs> it it definitely is, and I can honestly say I don't really miss it. Um no, let's not get promoted. Let's stay in this division forever. No, that's silly and negative. But then we'd lose that. our manager. Yes, good point. So, Preston on Wednesday away. Do we do we make any personnel changes? Yeah, if he's fit, Etebo comes in for Allen. And other than, I mean, Edwards as well, I think, is... I don't think Smith's been bad, but I think when you think about how good Edwards was before he got injured at the end of last season... Has has Smith put anything in to say that he's better than that version of Tom Edwards? And the answer is just no, isn't it? Really, I think. So maybe Edwards yeah. comes back in for a bit of freshness on the right. Yeah, I, um, yeah, I agree. I think from what I've seen of Nathan Jones, he will change it around a bit because he loves his having two people for each position, and he will just freshen it up to make sure we're hopefully sharper than Preston are. At Lewis17CM on Twitter. Now, I don't know if that is 17 centimetres, and in which case that's a very small person indeed, Lewis. <laughs> he, he says, is um, Greggy greater than Vokes? And I suppose I will extend that as in, do we think that Gregory and Hogan are our go-to starters now? Where does that fit for Campbell? Um, Vokes where does that fit what's our our striking start up Greggy and Hogan seem to be the best two for um, pressing I feel I feel they're they're both like Jones almost wants those people who aren't strikers they're like striker come attacking midfielders who've got the legs to cover it round and I think that's always going to be something Vokes might struggle with Um, and Campbell's Campbell's just everyone just needs to chill out with Campbell We've got, uh, he's like 19. There's no need to rush him. He's already our fourth, third, third. I mean, yeah, probably third choice striker. Just, yeah, just, yeah, chill. Yeah, I, li- I like the thing we're doing where we just rotate two strikers off for two fresh ones midway through the second half in every game with fresh legs running at Richard Keogh or whoever. <laughs> I'm just really here for that. And I've already mentioned I'm excited that we might have an actual strike partnership forming. But also, I love Campbell. And if he can come into that and take advantage of tired defenders as and when and some starts here and there and just build his way into what I think we all expect of him longer term, I'm excited we might start st- scoring goals. Which is weird. <laughs> yeah, don't get your hopes up yet. We do like to hit the woodwork a bit too much. I didn't say when. Um, oh, didn't. <laughs> Some general questions then to finish. We'll keep it nice and, and brief today. Um, 
because I'm sure we've got other things we want to do with our lives. Um, uh, what's my question that I want to ask? Who knows? Ah, uh, I can't find what the question. Ah, at Rushy Six on Twitter says, "Are we getting a collection of players that we actually like and have an affiliation with?" I to say that I hated half the team end of last season. Um, I like. It's funny what a positive feeling will do. I, I, I like some of our players. I like all our players now. I've already mentioned Joe Allen's nice face. I think I'm... Well, all the ones who are not in the bomb squad, I think there's maybe one or two who are saying things unwisely to the media. But I'm definitely just excited about everyone. Yeah, they're just a lovely bunch of guys. And it's like... I always feel envious, especially last season with like... Sheffield United and Norwich who seem to just have like a bunch of players and a manager who loved each other, loved the fans, got on. Just that, please. That's so nice and I think we've got it now. So don't ruin it, anyone. Any one of those three ingredients. Everyone behave. Just please be good. (laughs) Yeah, and and following on from that, and it's interesting you say that, Tony, about part of the bomb squad uh, briefing the the media because um at Matty Ken Photo says one thing I've noticed is there are hardly any players briefing against the manager to the press. Compare this to last season with Rowett. Now in the week there was the story that came out with Imbula saying that moving to Stoke was the worst thing I ever did. Um and I think there was also a story there was also a story not related but there was a Michael Kitely story where he said leaving Wolves was was the worst thing I ever did in my career. And who did he leave Wolves for? Oh, there's a surprise. Um, it does feel, though, that this team is more harmonious and is happy together, to <coughs> quote a song. And that, and that's, that's good. Yeah. Some yeah. togetherness does appear to be occurring, I think. Which is exciting. We're gelling as well, I think, because the season is early and there is a lot of new faces and it's just starting to look like it is becoming a come together. Yeah. Yeah. Which is uh, exciting. There's been some, like, there was a few stories on the Oatcake about, like, I don't think they were real. They were about, like, how there was problems in the dressing room and people were questioning this and that after the first two losses. And just I couldn't believe them because everything that's come out just everyone just seems to be in love with what's going on at the minute. Um, And I think Woods, was it Woods who was talking about how I think he clearly acknowledged that Jones is a very particular character and could obviously great people, but was just like, no, none of us have a problem. He's just really passionate about his job and really wants us to do well. And we're all the same. And I don't think it was a dig at Rower, but watching him on the quest highlights, I was a bit like, yeah, I don't think you could motivate me to do anything. He just seemed, ugh, like six out of ten. Just a, a, a not not a, not a dis nice guy. That's not a word. Um, just not. He's now. <laughs> I just wouldn't wouldn't do anything for him. If he asked me to water his plants, I'd be a bit doubtful about doing it. Really. <laughs> How would Gary Rowett sign my daughter's shirt? This is something I haven't considered, but actually just smeary and the shirt's all screwing up under the pen and he's blaming me, the fans, for not... The The main question then, are green shoots growing? Yes. 
I'd say we've got past green shoots. We're at that next Ooh. bit of the, the next bit of whatever a plant does. I don't, I don't do plants. Um, Sprouting, uh, yeah, leaves, no. buds. Yeah, um, it's starting to really look like a plant football team. It's okay. a plant in the shape of a diamond, and it, it, yeah, metaphors. Pigeons are eating those diamonds, and they're going to shit them out, so that they then grow more of the diamonds, and then <laughs> and then the championships infested with pigeon shit diamonds, and yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, and Nathan Jones is angrily shouting at them to eat more and shit more, and I'm so excited. <laughs> so tune in next time after we've been defeated by Preston and Leeds, uh, and we'll see what other pigeon shit analogies we can get out of this podcast, shall we? Results don't matter, Chris. Listen to Tom. Until September, then Brilliant. you're allowed to panic. Until... Okay, <laughs> two weeks to go. Two weeks to go then. Two weeks time, first of September. Um, I don't know who that matter. What is it? It's Leeds. Leeds. Oh my god! How many times do we play Leeds? Is it like five times? Preston. Preston on Wednesday. Leeds on Saturday. Leeds on Tuesday. Birmingham away. Saturday the thirty-first. Fun fun fact for anyone who's got this far. I mean, Benicophobie's played QPR three times in a row. just thought anyone would might want to know that. <laughs> that was a very fun fact, Tom, and I'm glad you are here to tell us it. It was wonderful. Um, all right then, well, gentlemen, let's um, let's wrap this up here. Is there anything else that you'd like to discuss before we draw this meeting to a close? Uh, the, Tony. the ladies won three 0 today against Sheffield. So well done them, scoring goals, hitting the sort of rectangular bit with the net on rather than re- rectangular bit round the outside. And they've completely overhauled the squad. It looks like in the summer, so that's really exciting. And Tom, anything to promote or push at us today? Um, just would like to mention that getting kicked in the back of the knee is probably a red card, and that's all I need to say. Ah, oh, let's let's. Ch- uh, we haven't even spoke about the penalty or anything. Um, was it a penalty? Yes, no. No. Uh, it, it was a 50-50, so I think if it was us on the other side, we'd be annoyed if it wasn't given, but we're annoyed that it was. Would VAR, would VAR have given it? VAR would, have, VAR, VAR would have given an offside in the build-up for a reason, and then maybe a handball because, yeah, other reasons. And, and if anything, that's just another reason why we don't want to get back to that promised land that is the Premier League. Let's stay forever in the Championship. And so, in, in many respects, you're right. The results do not matter. It's all about... It isn't all about the destination. It's about the journey. Exactly. I will say goodbye to you all then, and I'll say thank you, Tony Lloyd. Thank you, Chris. And thank you, Tom Thrower. Thank you for putting up with me. Thank you, and thank you both for sitting through that audio nightmare that was the blue screen of doom. (laughs) And to the rest of you, have a lovely week, and go on Stoke.